everybody. This is Samir Kumar joined with Matt Drexler on the eve of the Nets taking on the Warriors in a heavily contested battle. Drex, I'm excited for this game, man. It's early, but um, these two teams look like they are the clear favorites to head to the finals early on. And, you know, we were just looking at ticket prices and they're over a hundred bucks a pop, man. Like how excited are you for this though? Yeah. I mean, it's super exciting. Like season, you know, over 10 games in a decent sample size now to kind of get an initial read on teams and maybe the bowls you throw in there as well as like one of the, one of the teams that's had the best start, but you can argue these are the two, you know, wizards too. Yep. Best teams to start the year. And sure, the teams like the Wizards and Bulls are fun, but you said it like these two teams, serious contenders, more so than just a hot start, like you can think the Bulls and the Wizards are. So they're finally going to get to go head to head early on in the season. And like the ticket prices, you mentioned it like regular season basketball sometimes isn't, you know, the most exciting and you don't need to play all 82 games and it's a marathon, not a sprint, but now it's adding excitement to the beginning of the season, this game here in Nets and Warriors, that the fact that these are two super hot teams and two contenders. So really excited for tomorrow night. Absolutely. And obviously Kevin Durant going up against his former team, that's going to add storylines. Granted, this is now his third time going up against his former team, not his first, but the Warriors this time around are considered a much more serious threat to get back to the finals. And obviously, um, the Nets end. Now we have James Harden. Uh, the Nets didn't have James Harden last year, but obviously now with James Harden in the fold, James Harden was there for the second game when they were playing in the Bay last year. So the Warriors were able to get a taste of what James Harden is like on the Nets. But the dynamic duo of Kevin Durant and James Harden, like that's still a problem that uh, other teams have to uh, face on a nightly basis. You could talk about the lack of depth on the Nets behind those two obviously there's one important piece missing i don't think his name should be mentioned on this podcast for quite a while but uh we know the elephant in the room we don't need to go down that that route but uh on the warrior side of things i'll say this if they had clay thompson healthy and ready to go then i would have loved this game even more because it would be two heavyweights with everybody at full strength and wanting and able to play um that, that would have just made an excitement, exciting game uh, much more exciting. But, you know, this is where we're at right now. What's even more scary is, like, there's no Clay Thompson, but I still think Golden State is going to win tomorrow night. Given the Nets on paper at the end of the year, do I think they're a better team than the Warriors? Yes. But at this point, the Warriors are playing like the best team in the NBA. The Nets... Sure, they're playing well, but James Harden clearly isn't peak James Harden. Everybody knows that right now. Joe Harris is out, and the Warriors are red hot. They lost, the what, their first game in how many the other night for the first time in how long? And Steph is playing at an MVP level. Sure, KD is as well, but it just feels like against the bad teams in the NBA – yeah, the Nets can just – they'll roll through them regardless of how Kevin Durant plays. He's been great every game, but now against an elite elite team like the Warriors, I just feel like the Nets at this point still would need a 
40-point night from Durant in order to beat Golden State. So it's going to be a fun game, but I, I got the Warriors tomorrow night. Really? Well, I got the Nets tomorrow night, not because, you know, we're fans of the Nets, but because the Warriors are coming off pretty you know, close loss to the Charlotte Hornets, but a loss to the Charlotte Hornets. And um, that's a game that the Warriors, as far as I'm concerned, should be winning, given that they're right now the best team in the league record-wise. So uh, that's a bad loss, and it happened on the road. But you also look closer at the Warriors' schedule. Yes, they're 11-2. and Yes, they have Steph Curry. Yes, they look like a team that could end up in the uh, finals at the end of the season. But their schedule is pretty easy so far, man. Other than the Bulls, like – on their current schedule, there's just no win that really uh, stands out to me. Now, yeah, you know, the beating the Lakers um, is beating the Lakers, but uh, the Lakers, they have their own problems they got to sort out. Obviously, Russell Westbrook seems like a questionable fit at best right now with the Lakers. I think that trade was a mistake that the Lakers did. They should have gone after Buddy Heald if they were able, uh, if they wanted to, make any meaningful acquisition to their team, but that's another rabbit hole for another day. And you look at the Clippers, obviously, uh, you know, they're without Kawhi Leonard. Clippers are still a perennial playoff team out West, but they're missing a sizable piece in Kawhi Leonard. He's very important to the fabric of their uh, organization. So beating the Clippers is not as impressive as it would have been if uh, they had Kawhi, but then you look at the rest of their schedule, man. Um, All of these teams, man, are, Teams that are either going to be maybe 500 or are teams that are going to be significantly below 500. Being the Bulls at home, that's their only imp- very impressive win that stands out to me early on. But um, on the Nets side of things, they have their own things that they got to worry about too. They lost to the Hornets and um, they also uh, lost to the Heat and uh, the Bucks. So those are three teams that. Um, the Nets honestly should have beaten, uh, especially when the Nets, well, actually the Bucks, they're home, but they have their own problems, but sorry for this long ramble. I'm just saying that the Warriors schedule is, uh, pretty easy at this point. And that's why their record is better than it's shown right now. It's still, but still they have to beat the teams that are in front of them and they are doing that. And sure. They, a team like the Hornets, a loss is a loss, but at the end of the day, you know, everyone's going to have off nights. They've lost two out of 13 games, so you can't really hold that against them. Um, I just love their depth. Like, Steph, Wiggins, Jordan Poole, Damian Lee, Draymond, Belinka, Belinka, however you say his name. I'm, I'm sorry. Samanya Bialitsa. Bialitsa, that's how you say it, is a, is a good pickup. Gary Payton's been great uh, defensively. So they're a team, Steph leading the way, playing at an MVP level. Draymond is almost their point guard in the half set. Like he's in the half court, he's averaging seven assists and leads the team. Um, So I I just think Golden State right now is playing really well together. I think without Clay, that's probably their peak because they'll just be a good regular season team and maybe win a playoff round. Um, probably not a conference finals team, but with Clay back, they're like a championship contender. But even so, right now they're a team that, you know, I think they can handle the Nets considering no Joe Harris and 
James Harden just hasn't been James Harden at this point. I think Durant's going to need to go off if the Nets want to win tomorrow night. Right. No, I completely agree with you. I think the Nets, uh, sorry, the Warriors without Klay Thompson uh, are maybe uh, a semifinals team at best. But with Klay, if he comes back healthy, they could make the conference finals or even the finals. Honestly, uh, the way things are shaking out right now, I think the Suns are a better bet to reach the finals than the Warriors. But uh, that's another conversation for another day. Uh, when you look at the net side of things, though, Kevin Durant is just more than capable of giving you 30 points on a, on a given night. He's literally averaging uh, 29.6 points per game, but he's doing it on skyrocket efficiency. He's averaging nearly 60% from the field. You just never see that from a guy uh, – ever really in the nba i mean yeah, unless they're shaq. like deandre jordan or shaq right and they just yeah. literally just dunk <laughs> exactly like kevin durant doesn't have that overpowering sensation that both those guys have to dunk on everybody you know kevin durant is literally uh the quite the opposite but his jump shot is just so smooth like he just knows it feels automatic every time the ball leaves his fingertips that is going in like anytime he misses it's a disappointment you're like damn like you look it looks like that was going in you know that's just how good Kevin Durant is and I think he's going to have a little extra juice in him tomorrow night going up against his former team we saw Andrew Wiggins go off against the Timberwolves uh last week and you know yeah, Andrew Wiggins Carl is Anthony Towns man that the wrong end of two dunks there. <laughs> I know, man, but we all know that Carl Anthony Towns is the much better player. But Wiggins got him there. I'm sure Wiggins has a little salt, you know, that Carl uh, Anthony Towns took over as their franchise player when Wiggins was supposed to be the franchise player for the Timberwolves. But um, things just don't things just happen, especially if Wiggins doesn't quite give it 100 percent on every given night, you know. So uh, with Wiggins, obviously. He was supposed to be like the next LeBron James type player, but he's not anywhere close to that. So if Andrew Wiggins got some extra juice in him going up against his former team, then that's just like Kevin Durant. He's going to go off for 50 points if he brings that same energy and that same just like um, going out there with a vengeance that Andrew Wiggins did. And, you know, I think Kevin Durant's going to give that performance rocking those city edition jerseys back home in Brooklyn. You know, he's going to rep the entire franchise on one night on his jersey, but go up against the franchise and put a dagger in them, show them what they're missing on the other side. So I'm excited for that. I think, like, Durant has that attitude in the postseason. Durant in the regular season, we've seen it. He's more passive, and you can't fault him for that because the goal at the end of the year is about getting ready for the playoffs. They're not using the regular season to go out there and win 82 games because what do you win? Nothing. So what do they use the regular season for? To get others involved, to set, to get Joe Harris going, to get James Harden in the flow of things, to get a guy like DeAndre Bembry a little bit of confidence so that way come playoff time, you need him for 12, 13 minutes in a certain game. He knows his role and, and what you need out of him. So, sure, Durant could get caught up in maybe on one night in, the, in those City Edition uniforms against his old team. Sure, I can see Durant going off for one big night. But I just think he's still going to go in with that mentality of let's play as a team and get everybody going here to try and, you know, win as a group. But to the point of Durant and the season he's having, 
you know, clear MVP favorite, I think, in my mind, uh, at this point, 14, 15 games in. Steph is number two, obviously adds to the fun to tomorrow night. But the thing that there's a couple of things actually that about Durant's season that I think could improve. And that's saying a lot considering the year he's having. One is the free throw shooting. He's shooting what, 84%? It just feels like that's a poor number for Kevin Durant. Am I wrong? No, you're not. I, honestly, I was about to say that, man, like every time he steps to the free throw line now, you just don't know if it's going to go in. And I, I remember last year, it was kind of a theme where he started missing free throws. I'm just like, bro, like what's going on? Like these are not automatic for you anymore? Like, Yeah, I feel concerned. like Durant, he's, he's had a, 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 nine, a couple of 90% free throw shooting years, 89, 90%. That's pretty much what he's at every year. So that 84%, listen, not going to kill him the year he's having, but I'm just saying you, areas that he can get, that I think he's going to improve in, well, that's one. And two, I think this is a little bit more unrealistic, but I think he should do a lot more of this. He should just shoot more threes. Durant is a killer in the mid-range. I get it. That's his bread and butter. I'm not saying to change that, but at the end of the day, Durant will shoot, what, 19 times a game and only five of them are threes? Players that hit his caliber, they more than half of their shots sometimes are three-pointers. I'm not saying he has to shoot 10 of the 19 as threes, but get it up to seven or eight. Durant is such a good three-point shooter that I think you would want him to, to take a couple more from the outside. So I'm not really sure that's kind of something the Nets – coaching staff has talked about i think they just love durant in the mid-range and that's fine but from a personal standpoint i just want to see durant shoot more threes i think he would get that scoring average up from 29 to 33 34 points tonight i think he should he should be encouraged to shoot more threes to be honest Right, but at the same time, you know, his offense comes within the flow of what's going on out there. I think he likes to keep the corners and uh, everybody up top, you know, in their spots and ready to do damage. You got Joe Harris, Patty Mills uh, out there that can easily catch and shoot. And um, James Harden obviously likes to do a lot of his damage out th up there too, but he's not m much of a catch and shoot type of guy. I just think Kevin Durant just um, – like he knows the mid range is his bread and butter. He likes to kind of keep it uh, more traditional to his standards, I guess. And it's working, you know, he's averaging nearly 60% from the field while averaging nearly 30 points per night. Now, if the Nets are starting to lose games or whatever, and a lot of it has to do with the lack of uh, guys hitting three pointers, then maybe you entertain the conversation of Kevin Durant uh, ex extending his range out to, three-point range but at this point in time I'm kind of just happy with what Kevin Durant's doing out there and that is answering the call uh, with the way things are going early on in the next season they need Kevin Durant to be Kevin Durant because the minute you know he's not Kevin Durant or the minute something goes wrong um, then the Nets will just be in trouble the way their roster is currently constructed. Kevin Durant's the difference maker right now of a team that would be lucky to maybe get into a playing game versus a team that's uh, arguably the best in the league. Yeah, I agree. And I think looking at kind of the MVP race, and I think 
I want to get your thoughts on it is who, who ultimately will win. And, and I know the thought is the Nets don't take the regular season as let's win 82 games and put up crazy numbers. And Duran is very unselfish in the regular season. But that being said, we know Kyrie Irving's not on the team. You're not counting on, on him coming back. James Harden hasn't been MVP, James Harden. So do you still think Durant is going to have to have an MVP regular season if the Nets want to be like the number one seed in the East or number two? Do you think Durant is going to still put up this consistent in numbers night in, night out for the rest of the year? Or do you see somebody else winning it? I honestly think Kevin Durant, is, this is a war to lose. You know, with the Nuggets, you got Nikola Jokic, obviously still in the conversation for this award. Got Steph Curry in the conversation for this award. But I just think that this is Kevin Durant's to lose because the not only is Kevin Durant just really putting the nets on his back uh, at this current point in time, is doing it w- with the distraction of Kyrie Irving being out of the lineup. Kyrie Irving obviously is a huge piece, whether we're mad at him, whether we still love him, whatever our feelings are towards Kyrie at this point in time. He's an important part of the team, and having him out of the lineup is a huge loss because the Nets just don't have um, the pieces really to really fill in for Kyrie. Now, obviously, James Harden being there helps soften the blow significantly as well because James Harden is – an MVP caliber player when he's all good in his own right, but you're just missing that extra scoring boost by Kyrie Irving on a nightly basis, which is given Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant in regular seasons past has been able to take a step back in the flow of the offense and only get his shots where he needs he needs to take over. You see his numbers with the Warriors. His point per game averages are down significantly and field goal attempts averages are down significantly from what he used to do with uh, the Thunders. So I think uh, with Kevin Durant having to revert back to OKC Durant in a lot of different ways and doing it with the distractions of Kyrie Irving not being there and be serving as a leader and a pillar of strength to other guys on the roster, I think symbolically he's the fit for the MVP right now just as much, if not more, than Steph Curry and Nikola Jokic. I'm going to agree on pretty much everything, but I'm also going to add one more thing. I think James Harden eventually at one point will turn it back and will flip back to the James Harden we've known last year. And at that point, Durant's load, it lessens a little bit. And I think you're going to see Harden's scoring go on an uptick. Durant's go down a little bit. And then I think even just that much is going to propel somebody like Steph Curry who I know he may be getting Clay Thompson back, but still at the end of the day, he's going to be on a minutes restriction the first two months. And Steph is still going to need for 80% of the year to be a 30 point a night score for the Warriors. So I think Durant potentially will have his workload lessen at some point. And then you also have the wild card of Kyrie Irving coming back, which obviously you're not going to rely on, but if he comes back, then Durant's goes, workload goes down even more, where I think Steph is always going to have to have big nights in the regular season. So as much as I think Durant has a shot, and he does, Steph is still my my pick. I think he's going to, at the end of the year, end up being the MVP. 
I mean, you could very well be right, but injuries could also, you know, be because, well, for both players, quite honestly, both players have been dinged up in their respective rights over the last couple of years. But uh, with Steph, like, you know, if he gets hurt, then all of a sudden the Warriors just like will be in trouble as well. Like they could very well uh, tank down the standings, whereas for the Nets, you'll still have James Harden and he's capable of carrying the team on his back for a few wins. So I think uh, if Kevin Durant only misses a couple games here and there and Harden being the insurance policy, that'll keep Kevin Durant's uh, status as MVP, like uh, as the front runner for the MVP uh, alive, as far as I'm concerned, because people won't really remember those one or two games here and there Kevin Durant misses. And um, on the warrior side of things, if there is slippage, you know, um, whether it's due to a Steph Curry injury or just other guys, you know, maybe getting out of the lineup or struggling with consistency, then the Warriors all of a sudden could tank down the standings a little bit, which would hurt Steph's case. You know, remember, this is not the Warriors from uh, 2014, 2015, 2015, 2016, pre-Kevin Durant, where everyone was at their prime peak of their powers, Draymond Green, Klay Thompson, uh, and then you have great contributions from Andrew Bogut, uh, Leandro Barbosa, Sean Livingston, Andre Godala. You know, this is not that same Warriors team. So expect to see a little bit of slippage on the Warriors side of things as the season progresses because the Warriors just aren't that same deep team that Steph Curry had before. So that's why I just am skeptical of the Warriors run with Steph Curry spearheading it not being that sustainable I think the Warriors might slide down to more of a three four seed you know maybe second you know I think the Suns and Jazz you know could end up regaining the uh, one two one and two seeds in the west you know both of those teams are just built for more long-term success you know obviously time will tell but I think everything factored in I think uh, Kevin Durant just uh, if Kyrie Irving remains out, which right now very much seems like uh, it will, like which will be the case, even if Kyrie Irving comes back and say January, February, he relents and everyone's happy again, there's still going to be a ramp up period for Kyrie Irving to get back to game uh, action. Here's the thing is like Durant and cut Ky- and Steph. They're both can be injured at any time. And then luckily for both of them, the MVP award is an individual award where they finish in the standings. Does it really matter unless what they finish 12th, then it affects you. But if the Warriors are a top six team in the West and the Nets are a top six team in the East, you absolutely can win MVP. And then I don't really see golden state falling further past six, unless Steph Curry is out for more than half the season, then of course, but that would take his MVP candidacy off the table anyway. Right. But if Steph only misses he play 10 games and plays 72 out of the 82 in the year, Golden State is still going to be a top six team, and that's being generous. And Curry will still be putting up 30 nights. So I don't really buy the, you know, needing the, your team to, to be competitive or, or to be like a top team. I just think as long as you're in the playoffs, you know, you you can win MVP. I don't really think that factors into it the way I look at it. Well, let's say this. If Jokic is uh, continuing to perform the way he's performing and the Nuggets finish ahead of the Warriors in the West, then Jokic uh, overtakes Curry as a potential MVP candidate as far as I'm concerned. 
I don't think it's that simple. I think if Steph is averaging 30, Jokic 30, and what else is Curry's numbers like? Five and five. And then Jokic is averaging 26, nine and seven. But then you also have to look at the shooting numbers where Steph is probably going to be 50, 40, 90. And it's going to be close. Like Jokic obviously can win. Steph can obviously win. But I don't think it's, it gets to the point where, you know, if the Warriors fall off, which, you know, out of the top three or four teams, if, if the Nuggets pass the Warriors in the standings and the Nuggets are third and the Warriors are fourth, that it automatically just puts Jokic ahead of Steph. I mean, we'll see. I think, honestly, Jokic has the numbers right now where he could repeat as MVP. You look at it right now, he's averaging 25 points, uh, nearly 14 rebounds, and uh, six assists. And if that leads to more team success, that thing uh, voters will... What is uh, his shooting splits? Just curious. Yeah, I got that. Uh, His shooting splits right now... Uh, he's averaging nearly 60% from the field, right. uh, nearly 40% from three. And who who cares about free throws? He's averaging like 75%, but that, <laughs> that doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, at this point, you could argue Jokic over Steph. The rebounds is really, you know, what puts him over the top, 14 compared to six. But Steph is also averaging seven assists, 28 points on – 44%, 39%, and 96%. So Steph hasn't beat in a couple of categories. Biokic hasn't beat a lot in rebounds, but I still think Curry I, I would get most voters vote over Jokic at this point in the season. So we'll see. I think those are the probably the top three continuing for the rest of the year. I, Giannis maybe could be the fourth dark horse, but – I think those three are going to be the primary MVP candidates throughout the year. I agree. And another thing Kevin Durant, you know, would have going for him, even if Kyrie, like I said before, even if Kyrie returns and relents, um, there's going to be a ramp up period for Kyrie. He's going to have to, you know, take maybe two or three weeks, if not a month for him to get back into game shape and, show up to practices and reintegrate himself into the flow of things. Steve Nash loves to have this ramp up period for uh, (laughs) players returning. So um, with that being said, uh, I think the case would already be there for Kevin Durant, given what he's already been able to do for the Nets early on this season, step up as a leader through uncertainty and through a situation that's out of his control and lead his team to wins. And then uh, if he's able to successfully reintegrate Kyrie into the mix, then that might honestly further his uh, MVP case as the season winds down. Yeah. It's going to be very interesting how, how this all plays out. That's the beauty of like the regular season in the NBA if there is a beauty in the regular season of the NBA is just, it's, it's kind of so up in the air. Every team treats it so differently. And the MVP award is gets to a point where it's, it's never the best player. It's always just who tries the most um, players have said that, you know, so it's very interesting. Everybody approaches it, but we'll see, but a name that go ahead. I'm sorry. I mean, I just want to add in a point like, you know, um, 
your point exactly hits spot on when you uh, when you consider that Steve Nash won MVP in 2005 and 2006. No one was calling him a, even a top five player in the league at that point in time. You had uh, Kobe Bryant, Tim Duncan, you know, um, LeBron James. You know, those are just three guys you can name. And Shaq, you know, in 2005, Steve Nash was not a top five player or in 2006. Even Jokic but- last year, like you can make the argument Jokic isn't a top five player if you want if you like want to win a championship i mean we can get into this another day but names like durant curry lebron james Giannis, um and james harden Harden when he's good Kawhi leonard when he's healthy there's so many other names that you can say is Jokic even a top five player at this point ad too when he's right right. so i mean ad still kind of like harden maybe not as much but still needs to get back into things he hasn't been as dominant but as he usually is but when ad is peak ad i would take that over over Jokic. but another name we never really haven't talked about when we're talking about mvps is james harden and some fans are worried some media members aren't some coach the coaches aren't the nets aren't durant isn't harden isn't of course they're not but I know it's early. We're only 14, 15 games into the year. So you're not, I wouldn't say you hit the panic button at this point, but is there cause to concern that say three, four more weeks from now, James Harden is still turning the ball over like this. He's still not shooting as well as he normally does to say what, what's going on with James Harden. Yeah, I think there's absolutely a reason to be concerned about what James Harden is going through. He's averaging under 20 points a night, and you have Kyrie out of the lineup. So it's not like he's taking a step back for another score to get his own. James Harden himself just hasn't stepped up as a scorer like we've seen him all throughout his career. He's only averaging like 43% from the field. Three-point shooting is not terrible at this point particular point in time but we just haven't seen what we're we've accustomed to from uh james harden he's averaging 14 field goal attempts out there as well he's not shooting the ball enough that's just it's just plain and simple he's not uh he doesn't have the same burst of speed that we've seen from him in recent years and um i think this is very much him just working his way back from that hamstring injury but there is a little bit of a cause for concern right now for harden and uh i think um that's something that needs to be monitored as the season progresses. Yeah. I think even Harden is a little bit in his head at this point about the new foul rule. And he does have a case, you know, there are plenty of nights where Harden is literally getting mauled and they're not calling anything, but it also is a little bit of him. Like you said, he doesn't have the same burst and trying to beat guys off the dribble. He hasn't been able to do that, which is kind of, a little scary. I mean, am I worried? Yeah, I am a little bit because even before he came to the Nets, I never was a the biggest James Harden great scorer, great offensive player, but it was okay with it because Harden was the number three option and he was more of a pass first guy. But now on this team, he has to be number two. You can't win with just one guy. 
And so now you need you need James Harden to be clutch and you need him to score 23, 24 a night. This is the lowest James Harden scoring totals have been since 2011, his third year in the league. He's not a, not even averaging 20 points flat. He's averaging 19.5. And the shooting numbers aren't that great either. I mean, 40% from three, 39% from three is good, but the 42.6% is way too low for James Harden. And he's just not going to the line as much. He's maybe a little bit out of shape. Maybe he's still working back from the hamstring, but that's even a concern too. At this point, that injury was sustained in June. And now, so we're over five months removed and you're still not a hundred percent. I'm not saying he's not, but if that's one of the reasons why, then that, then you should be concerned about that. So and if it's not one of the reasons why, then you need to talk about why he's not doesn't have the same burst or why he's not going to the foul line as much. So still early, still only 14, 15 games into the year. But James Harden is, for a fact, the Nets are going to need a better version of James Harden than what they've got in these first few games if they want to win a championship at the end of the year. Absolutely. They need somewhere close to what he did in Houston for the Nets to win a championship. You know, we can't see James Harden now be like the type of guy to take a step back and scoring the ball because there are a lot of shot attempts to go around with Kyrie Irving being out of the lineup and you can't rely on Patty Mills, Joe Harris, uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, uh, Blake Griffin and um, other guys to really the blue kind collar of- boys. <laughs> the blue collar boys. <laughs> yeah, no, you can't really, re- they're blue collar boys. Like they literally right. <laughs> out there to create their own offense. They're not out there to, to, to fill in the void for Kyrie. They're the guys that are supposed to be your hype up boys behind the big three. Grabbing rebounds, getting diving on the floor, taking charges, not hitting step back threes. <laughs> exactly. Not taking you off the dribble and not like crossing you up and making you go fly into a whole nother galaxy. These are guys that are just supposed to rough you up, you know, play nineties basketball and, you know, maybe throw a punch here and there if things get physical. Now, I'm just kidding about that, but um, <laughs> that, that in today's NBA, that lead to ejection. There's nothing wrong with the hard foul as long as oh, it's no. not malicious. You know, I know. I know. I agree. That's what Blake Griffin's there for. I think Blake Griffin loves to rough people up, but um, yeah, no, I think the Nets right now, the way they're constructed, they're, they're doing well, you know, um, overall winning the games that they should be winning. But if they want to win a championship, then we need to see James Harden get closer to 25 points per game, scoring the ball and uh, continuing to be a playmaker for others out there. We need James Harden to step up to Houston, James Harden in order for the Nets to win a championship. Is that, is that, it's just like, that plain and simple. Yeah. And his assist numbers are down too, which is even more part of it. it. That scares me the most, honestly, is because you can say, you know, he, he's still working back into shooting form and trying to get other guys involved. But even that, he's not averaging the same assist numbers he was forget about last year, two years ago and three years ago. So everything is down for James Harden. Um, and we're going to have to see, I think, 
I don't think you panic. Like, I mean, maybe overselling it a little bit, but there's definitely a reason to be a little bit worried that, you know, you're still going to get a great player, but you, we may, the, the James Harden of last year or in the Houston days, uh, especially now with the new foul rule is, isn't going to be, we may not see that again uh, in Brooklyn or for the rest of his career. Yeah, I mean, that's just a hard pill to swallow that the James Harden we acquired from Houston just may no longer be there. You know, he might be on the downside of his career. He's 32 years old, you know, and he relies on his speed and his strength to get to the rim because, you know, while his three-point shooting may look good, he's not the most reliable three-point shooter. Like, he's not going to catch and shoot the three. You know, he can only really – That's actually the one thing that he's gotten better at this year is he's – Listen, he's not great at it, but compared to last year, Harden at least is competent on a catch and shoot three now. Yeah, so at competent. least that's the right side. Competent, but like not re- <laughs> not the most reliable. You know, like you know, he can hit the step back three, but in the playoffs, then when defenses tighten up, you know, if Harden just doesn't have any more bag of tricks to go to, he may be in trouble. We've seen Harden uh, not show up on the games. Uh, biggest stage time and time again. And, you know, if he's going to be tasked with being the second option now in these playoff games, not being able to take a backseat to a Kyrie Irving in these games or Kyrie has shown that he can thrive in, then it might be problematic. You know, it'll be too much for Kevin Durant to have to put on his plate, especially at this point of Kevin Durant's career. So, you know, Harden's really going to have to find a way to get back to being James Harden or else the Nets might be in trouble. That's the reason, the one reason why I don't think the Nets aren't, are still winnable is like we can win a championship is because of nights what happened in last year's Bucks series where Durant would get, he had a 49 point game and a 48 point game that almost just took out the eventual champion Bucks by himself because they didn't have Irving or Harden last year. And so Durant did have to do it by himself. So we did see a Kevin Durant that had to put a Nets team on his back and he pretty much did it. Um, So now you're going to get whatever version of James Harden is this year. It's going to be better than what we saw in last year's postseason because last year's postseason, James Harden literally gave you zero. And again, that's not his fault. He was injured, but you're going to, that's going to be better version. So Giving that to Kevin Durant that we're seeing this year and last year, it still should be enough, but you still want to see James Harden come around to his old ways. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like we see Joe Harris, he's not the most reliable in the postseason. Um, he's still working to shed that label, shed that reputation as this season goes about but patty mills has proven that he can show up in the playoffs on every given moment that's why he had a successful decade-long run with the with the spurs and that included a championship and that included uh several games where patty mills just kind of took over and came off the bench and did his damage but you know those are only those are like only two guys that you can rely on for you know different parts of the game when the pace of play changes or whatever where these guys kind of be plugged in and provide that shooting but uh, outside of those two LaMarcus Aldridge is gonna have to really step up and be more or less the same LaMarcus Aldridge he's been throughout his entire career he's He's now the third scorer he's the third scorer on this team 
Exactly. You know, he's proven that he can answer the bell, but now, you know, hopefully health can stay up for him and uh, the Nets run, continue to run more plays through him as well because Marcus Aldridge in the mid-range is pretty much as automatic as they come and he's extended his range out to the three-point line and has had success with that as well. So Marcus Aldridge, you know, he's the, he's the one guy I think the Nets can actually rely on post-Kyrie Irving. You know, I think Marcus Aldridge is that guy that can kind of be your rock and as James Harden can take his play to the next level that'll only make LaMarcus Aldridge more effective with what's uh pretty much uh pretty much provided for him you know obviously would be ideal if Kyrie returns and LaMarcus can be that fourth option but you know we can't live in the world now where we hope Kyrie returns this is just what it is right now and um we're just gonna have to play it out the way it is unless something surprising happens this is our reality yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the rest of the roles form, you know, trade deadline. So it's not going to be the same Nets team that we see now at the end of the year. But, um, you know, they're not a perfect team like like they were last year. Not that they were a perfect team last year, but they were just a Goliath in the sense that they didn't really have to play defense if they were at full strength. They can just score 140 a night and win just because they had three out amazing players. They have to rebound now. They have to play defense. And so it's going to be a little bit of different recipe for success for this year's Nets. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the Nets have stepped up defensively. They're like in the top 10 of defensive rating in the league. And, you know, they've even developed an identity for themselves as the blue collar boys. And I just think that all that defensive intensity is what's really giving the Nets um you know, some uh, new life post Kyrie Irving. And this is just something that's going to need to be sustainable as the season progresses. And they're going to have to give minutes to DeAndre Bembry, Javon Carter, uh, and um, Blake Griffin. Those are the type of guys, those guys that will wear you down defensively. Bruce Brown, obviously, uh, you know, they're going to be out there kind of providing that boost on the defensive end where Kevin Durant can also use his uh, length and rim protecting skills and, ability to stay in front of his defender. Kevin Durant, obviously, uh, is, has been an underrated defender as far as I'm concerned throughout his entire career. So it's just going to be the Nets continuing to develop that defensive mindset for them to really um, try to win a championship uh, without, you know, the third best player. Yeah, and when all said and done, I mean, we're talking – we have our – standards pretty high obviously they we're, we're grading them on a championship scale so they're second in the east right now you know they're they have a chance to become first here in the nba if they can beat the warriors and then they'd move what a half game back of them so they're they're playing well but we're still you know not they're they're not at their 100 best which is still what makes this team so scary, I think, when it's all said and done. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more there. You know, this team right now is built to win a championship, and um, anything less is just going to be a disappointment for us. You know, that's just the, these are the times we're in. You know, anything less than achieving the Larry O'Brien at the end of the year is just a disappointment. But something I got to say that the Nets got right this year at least uh, with everything going on is bringing those city edition jerseys and finally embracing their New Jersey that stays, you know, it's long overdue. I know you're excited. Um, honestly, 
just reading the social climate about the city edition unis, the Bayonets version may be the best of all of them that I've seen from a casual NBA fan. Like their color scheme and the and the concept of those uniforms are so elite that even non-Nets fans are like, oh, I gotta cop one of those. They're they're that good. So I think they really did a really good job. Absolutely. And you know, I went out and bought one today. You know, they were made available and I got 30% off of Fanatics. So, <laughs> you know, I'm just like, wow, like, you know, this came right at the perfect time. I got a 30% discount on a $130 jersey, but this was a must purchase for any Nets fan as passionate as I've been pretty much throughout my life. I was there, you know, when the Nets are 12 and 70 and um, being the laughing stock of the league, I was there, um, you know, like when for the aftermath of the Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce trade, I was there for all those horrible times uh, as being a Nets fan, but more towards the Jersey days, you know, this is what uh, a lot of Nets fans in the present, reminisce on you know people love Jason Kidd people love Kenyon Martin Kerry Kittles you know those teams that made a run to the finals you know despite all odds it was literally Jason Kidd that transformed them and then later on Vince Carter came along and him and uh, Jason Kidd formed um, one of the best backcourt duos of all time if not the best backcourt duo of all time from an individual player standpoint so um, you know the Nets just have so much history going for them in Jersey that I think it was time for the Nets to uh, kind of just realize all that in the city edition Jersey. I just love how they have the, uh, the stars down the side of their jerseys. And then they also have those stripes that you used to see at the old continental airlines arena at the free throw line. They brought that back on the court at the, the Barclays center and just having the old Nets shield, the blue, you know, just adding the B inside the ball, you know, that added a nice little touch to their core. I think they just did a great job of just um, remembering everything about the Nets that were uh, in Jersey. Even they took it a step uh, back and uh, brought back um, the Nets font on in front of their jerseys uh, that they brought back last year on those uh, tie-dye jerseys. They just brought back the same font that remembers the draws in Petrovic days where, you know, he could have been one of the best sh- shooting, you know, shooters in the league period if he hadn't passed away so suddenly uh in his career but you know just remembering Drazen, remembering Derek Coleman just remembering those teams in the 90s that uh, made some playoff runs but didn't quite go far but still faced off against the Michael Jordan Bulls in the last dance um you know just reminiscing all throughout the Nets past I think just in one jersey is just a great look for the franchise and we're only kind of reconnect people who are once New Jersey Nets fans back to the franchise rather than them just jumping ship to being a Knicks or Sixers fan. Yeah, I I think they did it well, which is important. You shouldn't just do it for the sake of it and it turns out poorly because then it's like, what's the point? Um, so the fact that they got it right, I think helps a lot. Um, but I'm curious from your perspective, what what was your favorite besides the Nets? I'm taking them out of the equation. What was your favorite city edition uniform that you saw? I think the Heat got a lot of hot takes. You either loved it or hated it. 
I know the Hornets ones people love, the Hawks ones people love, the Knicks ones people liked a lot, the Lakers are pretty solid, the Suns. I think those are like the favorites, but I, I think I did love the Hornets ones a lot too. I think those unis are, are slept on. Yeah, honestly, I'm not a big fan of the Heat's one either. I think they're, you know, given Miami and their ability to produce quality jerseys. Right. This, this is, is such a disappointment, I feel like. Exactly. This is just too ugly, in my opinion. The Suns, they had that last year, but that was very fire. I'm glad they brought that back as well as the Jazz. You know, those two jerseys, you know, I'm big fans of, you know, just, uh, you know, in general. But I would say the Rockets. I think the Rockets did a fantastic job bringing back those jerseys that they've had like 20 years ago when Yao Ming first came into the league and when they had Steve Francis. I think just uh, making that into their city edition jerseys, you know, I think was an excellent look. I think the Rockets very much did it right. You know, Portland, that's just whatever. I think it's a good jersey, not great, you know, but um I'll say the Timberwolves also did very well with their Ooh, city edition jerseys. I do love the Timberwolves ones. Yes. Like, what, the only thing I would like, would have liked for them to do maybe is, um, you know, if they could somehow add black into the equation instead because, like, I really like those Timberwolves jerseys when Kevin Garnett was uh, in Minnesota uh, with those black uh, Timberwolves jerseys. But then also uh, Carl Anthony Towns wore those jerseys a couple of years ago and the Timberwolves brought them back as uh, classic edition jerseys. But uh, overall, I have no real complaints about the Timberwolves. I really like how they did it. I think it's still a very good look, probably their best jersey in their current rotation. And I like the Clippers. I think um, it just speaks well to Southern California's just like, climate i think those jerseys just fit in very well with uh just like uh their environment yeah i'm glad you brought up the timberwolves that one may be actually my favorite besides the nets yes Uh, i think i'm in the same boat with that honestly and it's a shame too that like at least the wolves have some stars you know anthony edwards towns russell like those are names that there's like the mini big three over there in Minnesota, um, the baby big three. <laughs> but uh, the Rockets just like, theirs are so good too that who are you going to rock? Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. They just really have nobody that's like worth buying a jersey for to, to rock them. But No. <laughs> I mean, Jalen Green could end up being good in the future, but right now he's not looking that great, you know, in my opinion. Yeah, actually, that's a obviously another conversation for another show. But I actually do think Jalen Green is going to be the best player from from this class. I love Evan Mobley too. I'm a little overrated on on Cade. Like I, yeah, I don't know. I don't think he's the next coming like some people have made him out to be. I think Jalen Green has the Jalen Green has the most potential. Like you said, he hasn't really played that well, but I think. Mobley is probably the safest bet just because his defense is going to be so good. Um, his length, he can rebound. Like he's going to be a serviceable player no matter what. But uh, Jalen Green, I think, is the most highest ceiling. But that's another conversation for another day. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we could easily have a show at some point during this year and talk about the rookie class. But I think Scotty Barnes could end up being the best player in this draft. I think, you Defensive know, the Raptors. 
he got the Raptors got themselves a steal. One thing about the Raptors, they know to draft. You know, they drafted Vince Carter way back when, you know, over guys who many people considered would have been better than Vince back then. And then um they drafted Chris Bosch, you know, in that LeBron James draft class. And, you know, they just haven't looked back. I mean, those are two excellent selections in my mind, at least. Yeah. It's always interesting to see how the, the draft classes play out. And um, but I feel like four years is probably enough to kind of see. So now we're at the point where it's kind of fair to say Bagley is a bust. Aiden yeah. is Aiden is good, obviously really good. Luca and Trey are the clear two best players from that class. Um, so, yeah, I think – we got a long ways to go to see with that class, but it'll be fun to watch. Yeah, I got to say this. The Thunder did a terrible job with their City Edition jerseys. Like, <laughs> come on, man. I think I need a – I don't remember them off the top of my head. Give me a second to uh, to check it out. Hold on. Yeah. it's. Just... Oh, it's the all-white ones? Yeah. I don't hate them. I, I hate. I'm not I think a fan. sure. I, I think the Thunder color scheme has a lot of potential, and they took kind of a safe route here. But I still think they look nice. Uh, I'm 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 not sold. I mean, you know, you have a right to your opinion. You know, I could see the vision <laughs> from your mind at least, but I'm just not a fan of how they executed it. You know, I think it could have done much better if they're going for an all white look, but. Um, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, the Thunder, you know what it kind of, kind of reminds me of? Remember, like, obviously you remember with the crying Jordan memes on Twitter and stuff, but remember when Steph released, like, an ugly Under Armour shoe? I think it might have been, like, all white or something. Like, it looked like a dad shoe. I think instead of doing the crying Jordan meme for him one time, they, like, put a picture of his shoe on Twitter. I remember just, like, <laughs> thinking that was just, like, hilarious. I'm like, you, 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 do you remember what I'm talking about? I think I remember something where Steph took out a, uh, like put out a bad shoe, but I don't remember it becoming a, a meme to that sense. I mean, I could be bugging, you know, it's been years since that came out, but hey, I mean, internet culture is deep and there's, you're not going to see everything. And <laughs> so I, I mean, I could be just not in the loop there too, but <laughs> yeah. No, that's true. You know, after all, like Arthur memes start to take over Twitter for a certain point in time and then these different SpongeBob memes. So, you know, it's a, it's a great trip down memory lane. You know, I, I don't yep. hate it. Yep. All in good fun, though. Oh, of course. You know, like I think I at least like to use social media for um, good fun, entertainment, you know, be lighthearted. I don't like to go on there, start like yelling at everybody every single day. And, <laughs> you know, to those who do that, I suggest you, you know, maybe take a new approach because you're just only going to set yourself up to be an angry person the rest of your life. Yeah. And, and listen to the scary hours podcast that will, that will cheer you up and get you in a good mood too. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I mean, that goes without saying like, you know, yeah. our podcast is this lighthearted net stuff, you know, like, uh, two Nets fans I've seen the worst that you can absolutely see from a franchise 
you know, now we have Kevin Durant and we're just all about good vibes here. Yeah. And speaking of us, we in social media, we're at the Scary Hours Podcast on Instagram and on Twitter. And you can follow us and tweet at us or whatever you want. Any questions you want to hop on the show, um, let us know. You can also please do subscribe on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts as well. Um, and we'll be sure to be in touch. If you reach out uh, on social, we'll, we love to, to interact. So just hit us up. Likewise. I mean, you know, anytime you have a hot take or anytime you just want to talk about the nets or NBA in general, just shoot us a message and, you know, we'll be happy to have you on, you know, like, Basketball at the end of the day is just um, something that should be enjoyed by everybody and it shouldn't be taken so seriously, but um, that's just how it goes sometimes. Yep. Thanks for listening. We'll be back shortly. We promise. We took a little bit of a hiatus. Um, Life happens. We're both on the move. We're all good and settled in and we're ready to rock and roll for the season. So, Keep it tuned. Scary Hours podcast. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.